Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse and the National Women's Soccer League both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Black Buffalo Zero products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of comparable products. If you're an adult age 21 and older who dips, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo Zero pouches. What are they made of? Pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves. Food-grade ingredients. Most importantly, there's no nicotine or tobacco. All proudly made here in the U.S. So if you're 21 and older and want to learn more about Black Buffalo Zero, head over to blackbuffalozero.com to learn more. You can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo Zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Colin right, Colin wrong, and a Monday, here we go. Where Colin was right. What a year for the Blazing Five. Three and two, we took the Giants to beat Philly, the Bills to beat Miami, and Arizona to cover. Should have won, they missed two field goals. Another winning week, 13 of the last 15 weeks, 500 or better. Uh, We just had a heck of a year. We really did. Proud of it. Staff, everybody uh, capped it off the way we should with a win last night, Buffalo on the road. Although it was kind of a home game. Where Colin was wrong. Hey, listen, I bailed on Jordan Love in October. Green Bay finished 9-8, and eight, made the playoffs. I did not see them as a playoff team. I thought they'd vie with Chicago for third and fourth place. Very, very young team, but Jordan Love's last 10 games, he's been terrific. Throwing with confidence. Boy, that receiving crew is something else. Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit. He should be in the coach of the year. A candidate grouped. So I was wrong on the Packers. Better than I thought. Congrats. Playoff team. With that kind of offense, they get a puncher's chance against the Cowboys. Where Colin was right? Everybody bailed on the Bills about seven weeks ago. I did not. After they lost to Philly in overtime. I said they're developing a run game. They always play real defense. Josh Allen's going to be fine. And their O-line's not terrible. Listen, they're a flawed team. Josh Allen has the ability, however, to burrow through and blow through his mistakes. I like this team. I think they end up in the AFC Championship. I have stayed with them through all the uh, moves and turbulence. The Bills are, uh, to me, as fun a watch as the league has. Where Colin was wrong. Well, Sean Payton and Denver, listen, they're better. You can't deny that. The offense is better, but it wasn't as good as I thought. This thing just never worked. They lost yesterday. The offense is ranked 26th. Points, they're 19th. 
Russell Wilson, it is what it is, but it was just it just was a little ugly from the start. Sean Payton not happy, went public with it. Uh, it it's just it's a bigger lift than I think everybody thought. It's just a bigger lift, and it didn't work as quickly as I predicted it would. Where Colin was right. The Jets finished in third, and that's exactly where I predicted it. This organization's got an impulsive ownership group, a weak O-line. Uh, they've got some nice defensive personnel, but they don't have enough skill. And frankly, Aaron Rodgers is past his prime. I don't think he's good enough to solve all the issues. And he addressed the media about his future and the future of this organization. Anything that doesn't have anything to do with winning needs to be assessed. When you step in the building, there's intentionality with everything that you do. And it's not a half the time thing, it's not a sometimes thing, it's not a most of the time thing, it's an every time thing. If you want to be a winning organization, and to put yourself in position to win championships and be competitive, everything that you do matters. And the that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. Like weekly conspiracy theories? Oh boy. Where Colin was right? Bill Belichick, tone deaf, two years, three years, we've been on it. Folks, five games this year, they didn't score a touchdown. Build them a statue. People get too caught up. It's like we all collected baseball cards as kids, so we all love the past in sports. New England's bad. They're not just a quarterback away. This organization is tone deaf. Where Colin was wrong. Why are the Jags so bad? They unraveled, lost five of their last six. I had them as a potential number one seed. I don't have the answers. Sloppy, uneven. I don't know what they are. They've got some talent, but Trevor Lawrence regressed. Is it coaching? Is it him? Is he all in? Usually you can spot the problem. They were eight and three at one point on the season. Eight and three. That's pretty good, right? They lost five of their six to close it and often look uninspired and unfocused. Where Colin was right? I never really bought into the Miami Dolphins hype. I predicted they'd be a wild card playoff team. I like Mike McDaniel a lot, and I think two is more than capable, and Tyree Kill and Jaden Waddle are spectacularly talented. But I kept calling them the fake Gucci bag and the spray tan of the NFL. You're trying to you're trying to be something you're not. They fool people with offense. Offense is always glamorous when the weather's good in September and early October. This league is built on toughness, December and January football, and I just never bought into Miami as a Super Bowl contender. I always did with Buffalo. Where Colin was right? I picked the Huskies over Texas and Michigan over Alabama, and that is the natty we have tonight. I think Michigan's a better team. I think they look like a national champion with 15 to 18 NFL players, but Washington is so gifted at quarterback, wide receiver, coach, coordinator, and rush end, they do match up with Michigan. Uh, Washington is a team I was lucky enough to see in person uh, against Oregon. Uh, that was the throw in that game. But I've watched Michigan all year, and without their coach on the sideline, they were 6-0 and this year. And I thought, barring a, a special teams collapse against Alabama, I thought they were clearly the better team. So I do think they win tonight by about a touchdown. 
But I can't wait to watch it. Washington, I could not tell you the last game they lost. They are 12-0 in the last 12 games decided by one possession, which is unheard of. 8-0 in one possession games this year. 12-0 in their last 12. So if it's close, Washington probably wins it. But I think Michigan will feel like and look like the better team tonight. Where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Had a great parlay for you this weekend thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app real quick. New users, the code is HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download. Now for my parlay picks of the week via DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus four and a half. That's not the best number, but I think the Dolphins are a bit of an injury-plagued mess in zero degrees at Kansas City. Take the Chiefs. Listen, I don't think the Steelers can beat the Bills. Mike Tomlin, though, is a great underdog coach. Bad, cold, windy weather. I think 10's too many points to give up. I'd take Pittsburgh as the side. And yeah, 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 I'll take the Rams plus three at Detroit. Head coach, quarterback advantages. Lions a bit banged up physically. You want to take the herd parlay? Check out DraftKings Sportsbook. Download it quick. New users, the code is herd. H-E-R-D. Download the app. Takes 90 seconds. New users, code is heard when you download the app. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. See show notes for full details. All right, here we go. The playoff herd hierarchy. Fire away. Herd hierarchy. Time is now. Let's go. The top 10 NFL teams according to college. Number 10. You know, I don't know if the Packers are the 10th best team in the playoff, but, but Jordan Love is 6-2 in his last eight as a starter with 113 passer rating. Only two quarterbacks have more passing yards and passing touchdowns than Love in their first season as a full-time starter, and one of them is Mahomes. Love their young offensive personnel. They're probably not going to go to Dallas and, and win that game, and their defense is only 22nd, and they always beat the Bears. They're 10-0 under Matt LaFleur against the Bears. All the wins coming by a touchdown or more. But I do love it's an offensive league. I do love them going to Dallas. House money, tremendous young offensive personnel Jordan Love playing with confidence let's put Green Bay at 10 number 9 keep your eye on Houston folks wouldn't want to play him 8 and 1 when holding opponents under 20 you know what CJ Stroud only 14 giveaways fewest in the entire league with a rookie quarterback how great is that Stroud has had 5 games at the end of the season without a turnover when C.J. Stroud plays clean football with this staff and this defense, don't kid yourself. They have every chance to beat Cleveland. This is a team, no fun to play, don't beat themselves, Houston at nine. Number eight. Cleveland, I think, better slightly. I mean, they're on their fifth quarterback. Um, here's what I'll say about Joe Flacco. He's four and one as a starter. He hasn't been great. The story is greater than Flacco. He's had a 90 passer rating, 13 TDs, 8 picks. He still throws picks. So his story has been great. But Flacco hasn't been great. C.J. Stroud has been the better quarterback this year. That's why this game, Houston's the dog at home, is a very interesting play. My gut is, though, that Cleveland 
has that offensive coach. They've got a better roster at this point. Cleveland at eight. Number seven. Rams beat them, though, and the Rams are better. Six and two when Stafford, Cup, Nakua, and Kyron Williams play. Average almost 29 points a game. This is an offensive story. Matthew Stafford over the last six games is on a heater. I think when I really bought into this team is when they went to Baltimore on the East Coast early game and lost in overtime and outplayed them. Kyron Williams, you know he's third in the NFL in rushing, fifth-round kid out of Notre Dame. Great coach, great quarterback. Everybody offensively right now is healthy, and that's a lot of playoff football, being healthy. Number six. But Detroit's favored over them. They're not healthy. Tight end Sam Laporta, the rookie, is tremendous. He'll probably not play. Now, they're the second team in league history that has four-plus players, each with ten touchdowns or more. Gibbs, Montgomery, Laporta, St. Brown. Uh, Offensive line, better than the Rams. Great at left tackle. Number two, according to PFF, Jared Goff, only behind Tua in passing yards. So my guess is the Rams and the Lions, dubious young secondaries, It's going to be a shootout. I think I like Detroit at home. But if Laporta doesn't play, this thing is is really up in the air. Number five. Kansas City. Back-to-back wins. First time since that six-game winning streak, weeks two through seven. Listen, I don't think they're a great team. Uh, If you look, they led the NFL in offensive penalty yards this season. They led the NFL in most drop passes. It's not a work of art. They do it with defense. This is going to be, this is the transition year from the first part of the uh, dynasty. They're transitioning, pivoting to the second stage of the dynasty. And it's going to be, because Mahomes makes a lot of money now, a lot of young defensive players they rely on. It should be noted, though, Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, 14 playoff games, 16 touchdowns. This is when Travis Kelsey really illustrates how great, very Gronk-like, very Kellen Winslow, Gronk, Tony Gonzalez-like, these are the games he separates. Number four. Cowboys. 11 wins by 20 or more points, most in league history. You know, we bang on Dak Prescott, but he did lead the NFL in completion percentage at 69.5% in touchdown passes, and he really only has one great receiver, C.D. Lamb. So again, they're not very potent as a run team, uh, but they can win with a lead. They can win from behind because of Dak. I think a home playoff game, they're dangerous. I don't trust them on the road, but Dallas is a really good football team. The NFC is weaker than the AFC. They could certainly win a, a couple of playoff games. Number three. Fed Buffalo here for a while. Five and one against playoff teams this year. Six and one since they removed offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. They're twitchier than years before on the outside. They have a more established run game. I think their offensive line's playing better. Multiple touchdowns in 15 straight games from Josh Allen. He almost single-handedly won that game against Miami despite his mistakes, despite his flaws. He is a force of nature. I have Buffalo at three. Number two. Pretty easy. Final two. I got San Francisco at two. Only team in the league to rank in the top three in scoring offense and scoring defense. And listen, if Brock Purdy, like Houston, when Brock Purdy plays clean, no turnovers, the Niners are 12-0. Much harder to do that against playoff teams. Number one. Pretty easy. Baltimore. Offense, defense, led the NFL, sacks. 
takeaways, superstar quarterback, finally got Lamar Jackson some perimeter weapons. Fun to watch for all the critics out there of Jim Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. It's been a terrible year for the haters. (laughs) It has been a terrible year for the Lamar Jackson and Jim Harbaugh critics. I love watching Baltimore play. Love everything about them. Their toughness. They're physical. You know what? They're a little bit like Michigan. Why would that be? Because you got a Harbaugh coaching them. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, we're Cavino and Rich. Fox Sports Radio every day, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. But here's the thing. We never have enough time to get to everything we want to get to. And that's why we have a brand new podcast called Overpromised. You see, we're having so much fun in our two-hour show, we never get to everything. Honestly... Because this guy oh, is over-promising things we never have time for. Yeah, you blubber lips. Blaming me. Well, you know what? It's called over-promise. You should be good at it because you've been over-promising women for years. Well, it's a Cavino and Rich after show, and we want you to be a part of it. We're going to be talking sports, of course, but we're also going to talk life and relationships. And if Rich and I are arguing about something or we didn't have enough time, it will continue on our after show called Overpromised. Well, if you don't get enough Cavino and Rich, make sure you check out Overpromise and also uncensored by the way so maybe we'll go at it even a little harder it's going to be the best after show podcast of all time there you go over promising and remember you could see it on youtube but definitely join us listen to over promised with cavino and rich on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts oh here we go live in los angeles it's the herd wherever you may be however you may be listening Thanks for making us on this Wednesday part of your day. We have some breaking news. Things are happening. This is one of my favorite times and least favorite times. People lose jobs. That's bad, obviously. New people, new opportunities. Jim Harbaugh, Dan Quinn, Ben Johnson. So a lot of moving and shaking right now in Chicago. Not wasting any time. Uh, Carolina midseason, Raiders midseason, Washington, Atlanta Monday. Uh, now we got Chicago making a move with their coach, and they're staying with their coach, J-Mac. I, I, I think this is a great, great opportunity for an offensive coordinator, right? Eberflus doesn't have any power there. And you got a star quarterback coming from the draft. This is a great job opening, Colin. All right. The Bears have decided the coach for now is staying, Matt Eberflus. Um, he's going to return. They fired the OC. They fired the quarterback coach. Chicago does not do offense well. Historically, they can be pretty good defensively, and the Bears' defense did play well down the stretch. Uh, I'd move on from both, but if I have to keep one, probably be the coach because coaches don't have salary caps, right? So what does that mean for Justin Fields? Well, it doesn't mean anything, necessarily. It doesn't mean Eberflus loves him. It means Eberflus was given a choice. You're fired or clean out your offensive staff. My guess, he gets one more year, but it'll be with Caleb Williams. With almost any other NFL franchise, I could, with a high degree of certainty, predict what's going to happen over the next few months, uh, but I can't with the Chicago Bears. They butcher offense. They butcher quarterbacks. They, they can't get anything right. Um, Caleb Williams, think about it in the simplest terms. If Caleb Williams is not better than Justin Fields at all, and he is, but if he's not, in fact, if Caleb Williams in his first 38 starts goes 10 and 28 like Justin Fields, misses 11 games due to injuries like Justin Fields, finishes last place 
like Justin Fields, if he's not an one iota better, you still obviously draft him to restart the salary clock. It's a no-brainer for everybody in the world not called the Chicago Bears. And Caleb Williams, according to every scout I know, is a much better prospect, a much, much better thrower of the football. With USC's middling talent, they led the nation the last two years in offense. They don't have Ohio State's offensive talent. They don't have Washington's or Oregon's. They have one good receiver last two years, Jordan Addison. He left this year. They still led the nation in offense with Caleb Williams. But if he wasn't better than Justin Fields at all, and if you could project he's going to go 10 and 28, you'd still draft him for the salary cap. Again, this is really easy for the next several months. Draft Caleb Williams, right? Uh, trade Justin Fields, get a second-round pick, and then try to move down with a number nine pick, though that's easier said than done. I'm not a big Eberflus fan. Wrong side of the ball, don't think he's great. But coaches don't have salary caps, right? So I can give him one more year. I start giving Justin Fields, who misses games, who doesn't win, one more year. Now i got to make another decision, and next year's quarterback class is not as good as this year's, where you could have two or three stars, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, who knows about Bo Nix, Michael Penix. So, um, listen, the Chicago Bears and offense go together like tuna fish and ice cream, right? Like, I like offense, and I like the Bears, but I, and I like tuna fish, and I like ice cream. None go together. To, to really double down, triple down, quadruple down on this, Two Bears offensive coordinators, two in the last 25 years, have lasted more than two years. John Shoup and Ron Turner, the next offensive coordinator, this is not a misprint, will be their 13th OC in 26 seasons. They just don't know offense. They're still honoring defensive greats from 85. So the Chicago Bears, of course, butchered Justin Fields' first team. Of course they'll retain their defensive head coach. Of course they're firing their offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. I would have moved off both. They're keeping one. Don't make a mistake and keep two. Justin Fields has value. But if he's... And Caleb Williams, if they're even. If they're even, and I don't think they are. You draft Caleb Williams. Just for the salary cap availabilities so they're making moves chicago's always making moves all right so the lakers last night beat toronto 132 131 and um you know listen uh, uh we got conspiracy theories everywhere in the world now politics sports vaccines it's just a loser's paradise i got no interest with conspiracy theories i know your favorite podcaster does them and maybe your favorite new york quarterback does them i'm not a conspiracy theory jockey it's not my thing i think mostly i follow science i follow rules i follow laws i don't see now that doesn't mean historically there haven't been a few that have hit but, uh, you know, I can hit a full-court shot in basketball once in my lifetime, too. But um, the, the Toronto coach, uh, Darko Rykovic, is absolutely certain something was fishy last night with the officiating. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws. 
in the, in the fourth quarter. I all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league? He goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get get uh, to the, to the rim without flopping and and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How's that possible? How are you gonna explain it that, that to me? They had to win tonight. If that's if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Oh boy, I'm going to pick this apart. Now there was a late game charge. Anthony Davis flopped. I didn't love that call. It negates a three-pointer by the Raptors. I didn't like that call, but it's the NBA. Flops still work. They're trying to outlaw them. They still work. I didn't love this call. Boo-hoo. I didn't love every call Michigan-Washington. I didn't love every call in the NFL last weekend. It's pro sports. But let's, let's dismantle this silly argument. Ten of the 11 Laker free throws in the fourth quarter were in the last 30 seconds as the Raptors had to foul. The Lakers also lead the NBA in free throw differential this year and last year. Why don't they foul? Because Anthony Davis is the NBA's arguably NBA's best defensive player. He didn't foul out in New Orleans. He didn't foul out in Los Angeles. Anthony Davis is an unbelievable defender. I think he's the best in the NBA, and he is very disciplined. He doesn't foul. By the way, LeBron doesn't foul out. Either did MJ. Either did Kobe. The greats don't foul out. Right? LeBron, when he wants to play defense, occasionally, he doesn't commit a lot of fouls. So your two stars don't commit him. Also, also, Scotty Barnes doesn't draw fouls outside of the top 50. He's not a top 10 player in the NBA. He's a good player. He doesn't draw fouls. Also, what teams, what teams draw fouls? Teams that score closer to the rim. The Lakers do not shoot a lot of threes. <laughs> they don't. Why? Because they don't have a lot of good three-point shooters. So Anthony Davis doesn't foul a lot. Lakers or Pelicans. He's fouled out one time in six years. LeBron doesn't foul a lot. Every metric, every data point, every reality is on the Lakers' side. Scotty Barnes doesn't draw a lot of fouls. I didn't like the off-ball charge. That was a bad call. Not bad, it was just it was a go-either-way call. I didn't love it. I didn't love every call Michigan-Washington, Texas-Washington, Michigan-Bama. That's sports. Not everything's a conspiracy theory. The metrics tell you Scotty Barnes doesn't draw fouls. The Lakers don't foul. The Lakers don't shoot threes because they don't have good three-point shooters, so they score closer to the rim, meaning the Lakers get to the free-throw line a lot. The more you shoot threes, generally, the, uh, the fewer free throw attempts you get. I thought it was wildly entertaining after the game. I mean, if he's going to get fined, like, through the roof and should. But this is, the this is what you get now. Like, well, the president said if you take the vaccine, you can't get COVID. That was a mistake by the president. He didn't know like a lot of people didn't know. You can take the vaccine and you can get COVID. It does, however, help you in most cases, especially if you were overweight or older. So you can pick little parts of things and say, it's a conspiracy. People make mistakes. Presidents make them. Doctors make them. Officials make them. Teams make them. GMs make them. We all make mistakes. Doesn't mean there's some vast conspiracy theory. The Lakers have the best foul differential in the league. Well, that's because, that's because they don't shoot threes. And they score close to the rim. 
And they do some bully ball. They're a big, powerful team. A lot of bully ball. And they don't shoot threes. Well, Scotty Barnes doesn't draw fouls. He's outside of the top 50. Well, LeBron never gets called for a foul. How many times did MJ foul out? Wilt. <laughs> Kareem. Kobe. LeBron. Steph. They don't. Stars get the whistle. Just because a referee makes a mistake or it's a call that doesn't go your way. And I didn't like it. I don't like the flopping stuff. I've always understood flopping. D. Wade was great. There's an art to it. I don't think it makes you less of a man, uh, less alpha. I think there's an art to basketball. I really, Of all the sports, it's got the most artistic flair. It's an open canvas. Every player's jumper looks different. Every player has their own stylistic aesthetic. It's optics. Basketball is very unique. Football, there's one way to tackle. <laughs> you know, most, most quarterbacks throw the same way, same mechanics. But one bad call doesn't mean the league is favoring the Lakers. The league is always leaned into the stars. Kevin Durant doesn't foul out. LeBron doesn't. Michael didn't. Kobe didn't. Wilt didn't. Jabbar didn't. Russell didn't. That's just the way it is. You let the stars get the whistle. So there you go. The Bears are doing Bears things. And when people lose to the Lakers... They're doing coach things, blaming the NBA. And you don't have to love the NBA, but when's the last time you watched the game and thought it was perfectly officiated? College football, college basketball, which you watch a lot of, NBA, NFL. Last game you watched that you thought was perfectly officiated. And 10 of the 11 free throws the Lakers had in the fourth were all in the last 30 seconds when the Raptors had to foul to get back into it. First of all, props to this guy. Who I, I'm not familiar with the Raptors coach. I'm not familiar with him, but yeah. that was an epic rant. <laughs> and Colin, 23 free throw attempts to two. Like, uh, listen, if it were 28 to eight or 23 to eight, something a little closer. 23 to two. You, get, you do get the Raptors. Bad. The know, Raptors yeah. are not good. Yeah. The Lakers are better. Well, ticky tack so stuff. The Lakers have better players, and better players get a step on poorer players, and they draw more fouls. The good players usually beating the bad player. The bad player or average player has to foul. I told you this years ago. You guys will all laugh at this. I used to make eight bucks officiating all through college. That's didn't right. Have, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't have any money, and I took it totally seriously. I ended up refereeing in the championship game a couple of years. I took it seriously. I needed eight bucks. Parents were divorced. I needed eight bucks. And so every night I'd go out, you know, I wasn't doing homework, so I'd go out and do three or four games. And it was mostly the athletes on the campus, our football players, basketball players. A few of the football guys went to the NFL, Ed Simmons, left tackle. Uh, a few of our basketball players, you know, were, were like CBA-level good players. Oh. So it was a lot of athletes in intramurals, a lot, or at least good high school athletes. And I learned something in officiating. And I learned that after one or two games, and I took it very seriously, is that the better athletes get the calls – because the better athletes always beats the lesser athlete off the dribble. So the lesser at and the better athlete mm. can figure out the lesser athlete's moves so he more often draws the foul. The better athletes put themselves in position over the course of a game to foul less. It's not just the I found myself always giving the better athletes the call. And I'm and I would think, you know, me and my theories, I'm like, I don't understand. What well, because the better athletes are always a step faster, a step quicker. The average athletes, the average players are a step slower, less twitchy, and they foul more. The great players have never fouled out in the NBA. I'm not going to argue with a former intramural referee over here. So, uh, <laughs> listen, I'll let, you, I'll let it slide. I, I, for the record, I love doing okay. that. And I, I literally, 
Uh, yeah, I, I was you know, to... my first job when I was like 12 years old was refereeing soccer. My parents would drive me to games and I would be the ref. I got I... yelled at sometimes. Yeah, but no, I got listen, yelled at I, all the I, needed time. To get, I needed to get my Jordans when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> I needed to pay for them. So. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's a hot one. Let's blaze it up. Fire it up. It's Collins Blazing Fox. Browns at Texans. I'm going to take the Texans plus two and a half straight up to upset Cleveland. C.J. Stroud did not play earlier when these two teams met. Their offense just doesn't make any mistakes. 14 giveaways is the fewest in the NFL, and C.J. Stroud throwing the ball downfield. Forget for a rookie. Nine touchdowns, no picks, and 123 passer rating. It's like the Matrix. This kid is off the charts throwing the ball down the field, and Cleveland's defense, weirdly, is bad on the road. I don't know why. But they allow 29.5 points a game on the road. They're a different defense, and Joe Flacco, love him, but he's got eight picks in five starts. He's a better story than a quarterback. January Joe meets his match. I'll take the kid. 28-27, take the points in Houston to win. Dolphins at Chiefs. Initially, I like Kansas City, but the number's gone up to 4.5, and, and I don't know how many points anybody's going to score, so I'm going to take Miami plus 4.5. I think it's a 16-13 feeling game. Listen, the Dolphins got more first downs and outgamed the Chiefs when they played earlier in the year in Germany, and now the weather's bad, so forget Kansas City throwing the ball all over the yard. Miami can run the ball. Number six rushing offense, and the Chiefs this season? Mahomes has a losing record since week eight. Over the last 10 games, they're averaging 19 points. Now you, I'm supposed to believe they're gonna light the scoreboard up in minus 30 wind chill? I think it's going to be an ugly low-scoring game. And again, initially, I like Kansas City, but the line moved. I'm going to take Kansas City to win Miami plus four and a half to cover 24-21 KC. Packers at Cowboys. I'm going to take Green Bay plus seven. First of all, this matters. They are a great first-quarter team. They take leads on people, and that's coaching Matt LaFleur. They lead the NFL in first-quarter point differential since Week 12, and they're the only team without a first-quarter turnover this season. So they're not going to get buried early. They probably come out with a chance to take a lead. And Aaron Jones, now that he's healthy, since Week 15, <laughs> he leads the NFL in rushing yards. And when he has been a Packer and had 100-plus yards from scrimmage, they've won 25 of 26 games. Jordan Love's last eight weeks, baller. Confident, great twitchy, clever, wide receiver talent. By the way, Dallas is 1-5 this year when they allow over 21 points. I think Green Bay scores over 21 points. I think it's a shootout. There's no way I can give Jordan Love and this offense and this staff 7 points. I'll take the Cowboys to win narrowly 33-28. to Feels like the right side. Rams and Lions. You know what? I got talked into it. Too many injuries for the Lions. I'm going to take the Rams plus 3 here. They're 7-2 since 2018 in the playoffs. Only the Chiefs have a better winning percentage. McVay in big games is excellent. They've won 7 of 8 games since the bye, and their only loss was the Red Hot Ravens in overtime. Rams are a good football team, and Matt Stafford's on an absolute heater since Week 12. The Lions have the least amount of playoff experience of any playoff team. 17 games. They've lost their last three games against playoff teams, Ravens, Packers, and Cowboys, and their pass defense is awful. Sam Laporta, great young tight end, probably doesn't play. That, to me, feels big. Coach quarterback advantage, Rams plus the points, upset Detroit, slight upset 28-27. 
Eagles at Buccaneers. Lines moved. I don't love it as much as I did earlier. I'll take Philly minus three to win by about four. Listen, they beat the Bucks the last time they played, and they ran all over them, and A.J. Brown had nine catches. It was a big matchup issue. Best offensive line in football is Philadelphia, and I think they lean on Jalen Hurts. PFF has this as the best O-line in football. I think that matters in playoff games. Bucks can't run the football at all. Worst rushing offense in the NFL. As J-Mac had pointed out, they've beaten some bad teams down the stretch. So, I mean, they won the division, but it's not been pretty. Baker Mayfield is 1-5 versus playoff teams this year, and he's not 100%. I'm going to take Philadelphia 28-24. I don't think Tampa's a huge home field advantage. So there you go. I'm taking points. The dogs are barking this weekend. I'm going to take the Texans plus points, the Dolphins, the Packers, and the Rams plus points. And I think Philadelphia beats a Tampa team. They're a nice story. And uh, good. I'm happy for Baker. He's done well for himself, won a division. Can he win a playoff game in the AFC and the NFC? Certainly possible. Because right now the Eagles are completely reeling. Anything, J-Mac, that jumps out to you quickly? Um, Everything I don't like. (laughs) Four road teams. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be a fun, fun weekend with these picks, Colin. Big sweats coming for you. (laughs) Albert Breer joining us live Monday morning quarterback. All right, Gerard Mayo gets hired. Are you surprised, Albert, by that move? No, I'm not. Uh, Maybe a little bit by how fast it happened, but this is something the Crafts have had in mind for years now. Not days, not weeks, not months, years. Um, They... Um, really grew an affinity for for Gerard Mayo when he was a player. Um, when he got out of football um, in 2015, he went into finance, and um, Robert Kraft helped him there. And when he came back into coaching, they quickly identified him as somebody who would be worthy of succeeding Bill Belichick. So um, I'm not surprised it happened. And it like all of this is one reason why it was so important for them to hold on to him last year. In fact. He had a chance to interview for the Panthers job. And as you know, Colin, like it can help guys just to go and interview and interview well because owners talk to owners. And if you do well, then it's going to get around. And to keep him off the market, they revised his deal. And the provision that he'd become the next head coach was part of that deal that was signed a year ago. And now, obviously, that's come to pass. So not a great year, obviously, in 2023 for the franchise. But, again, this belief that the Crafts have in Gerard Mayo has nothing to do with a single year. It's something that's been built up over the last 15 years. What's the market for Bill Belichick, in your opinion, Albert? I think there's a lot of curiosity. Um, I think there are some teams that still have coaches in place that yeah. you know would like to sniff around a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. Ultimately, I, I don't think Bill is guessing on what's going to be out there for him. Um, and I, I think the opportunity in Atlanta is probably the best one right now, as it stands right now. Um, there's an owner, obviously, there who's been in place for a long time. Um, and a guy in Arthur Blank who hasn't really hired a sure thing before. He's hired five coaches. You know, four of them were assistants, Jim Mora, Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, and Arthur Smith. And then um, he hired a college coach in Bobby Petrino. So he hasn't taken this sort of big swing ever before. He's 81 years old. He's got a roster that's ready to win right now. Um, and he can offer Bill a chance to remake the organization in his own image. And I think John, I think Bill, for his part, would bring an all-star staff with him. You know, I think he'd bring a lot of former head coaches, maybe guys like Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, um, to try to take another swing at a championship and, of course, Don Shula's record. Um, and I also think that Bill would rather stay east than go west, where 
most of his life has been. Sure. You know, and so um, I think everything lines up for him to be the next coach of the Falcons. But again, there are some teams that have coaches in place now that I think could be factors in the coming days. Uh, Pete Carroll leaves Seattle. I don't know if it's shocking. Uh, they underachieve. The defense has been bad for five mm-hmm. years. Total defense, worst in the league, and he's a defensive coach. You talk to yep. players. You you talk to people inside the building. What what was the vibe on Pete? Um, like the players still like him, you know. I I think like there's still a positive atmosphere there. I mean, you've been there, Colin. It's a yeah. really unique environment that Pete's been able to build. Um, you know, both at USC and and with the Seahawks. I I just think this for the owner was time. And you know, two years ago, she really considered moving on from Pete Carroll and turning the page. And that, of course, is when they moved on from Russell Wilson. And she stuck with it, then they made the playoffs last year. But I, I always feel like when the owner when an owner opens the door for something like this, it's never fully shut again. And, you know, I think that's sort of what happened here, where she got it in her head a couple of years ago, okay, I think I'm ready to turn the page. And then of course they bounced back in a big way and you know had a couple really good draft classes in a row and okay, here we go. And then they don't make the playoffs this year and that old idea comes back. So um, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. Um, yeah, but I think at the top of the list, it's, it's just the owner having it in her head that she she wanted to turn the page. And by the way, I think Pete's leaving an outstanding posi- um, situation for someone there. Yeah, you know, it, it might wind up being Dan Quinn. We'll see. But whoever inherits that situation, there's a lot of good young talent. Um, they really knocked it out of the park the last couple of years in the draft. Jim Harbaugh, what are you hearing? I mean, he's going to have uh, his pick, it should be. Uh, are you hearing he's leaning NFL? And if there a spot, a uh, destiny you think yeah. he'll land in? I think, I think again, like if, if the right opportunity is there for him, the time is now. The NCAA sanctions could be coming down. He's got 44 seniors. He just won a national title. Um, he's done everything he set out to do at Michigan, and he's got unfinished business in the NFL. So I think the time is now. Um, I think the right place is the Chargers. Um, we've talked about this, Colin. The Chargers do have you know, sensitivity to the, the perception that they're cheap or that they're irrelevant in L.A., and hiring Harbaugh would address both of those things. Um, you know, and, and, and going to Los Angeles for Harbaugh geographically, it makes sense. You know, he's coached and played in California. He likes it out there. You got the quarterback in place in Justin Herbert and a roster that's ready to win right now. And just an interesting little nugget here for you if you want it. Yesterday, they interviewed the Giants assistant general manager, Brandon Brown, who's very well regarded. He's a guy who not only has great scouting history, but also has a law degree. He's got a relationship with Harbaugh, so that's one I would keep an eye on, potentially pairing a GM with Harbaugh as that coach. Finally, Steelers-Bills. I saw a weather forecast this morning. It's Armageddon. I mean, I, I, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't even know how you can broadcast. 65 broad- miles an hour, is I mean, that right? I, I don't know how you can see the game <laughs> if you're a broadcaster. I don't know how so you see it. So is there any talk about moving it? Uh, I, I actually checked in with the league um, less than an hour ago, and they said to this point there's been no discussion about moving either the Chiefs-Dolphins game, which I don't think that one to get moved. That sounds like it's just cold. Um, or the Bills-Steelers game. Now, they still have some time because that Bills-Steelers game is on Sunday and yeah. not Saturday. Um, and generally what this comes down to, it's not whether or not you can get the players in there or the coaches in there. It's safety for the fans, you know, and so I think that that's probably what dictates this one. If it becomes an unsafe thing for fans to go to the game, then maybe they move it. But 
Um, they've been pretty reluctant in the past to move up, move playoff games. So I think that's why they haven't really discussed it in earnest yet. And I, I think it would take the forecast getting even worse for them to do that. You know, let me throw this out there. Vrabel's obviously a great mm-hmm. candidate. Um, if if Harbaugh gobbled yeah. up the Chargers job, I think the Washington job's the second best one in the market. Is that where Vrabel would lean? I mean, what, what are you hearing? Well, that's sort of interesting because the new head of football operations there is a guy named Adam Peters, right, yeah. who was with Vrabel in New England. And so I, I think, you know, AP would at least kick the tires on Mike Vrabel and gauge his interest a bit. I think that there would be a good match there. Um, I would also keep an eye on Vegas with Vrabel. Tom Brady was at practice on Friday, their final practice of the regular season, and it was the first time Brady had been at the Raiders' facility since before Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler were fired. Brady also, of course, is looking at buying a piece of the team. That still needs to be approved by the league, but he's certainly got Mark Davis's ear. So if Brady is involved in this coaching search, you know who he's very close with, yeah. the guy he played eight years together with in New England. And so... Brady's involvement there could help them with Harbaugh if they want to make you know another run at Harbaugh because there's the Michigan connection. But I think Brady's connection to Vrabel is even stronger. And the Raiders could offer Vrabel the opportunity to set up the entire operation in his own image, which was sort of what he was looking to do in Tennessee. So I think the commanders do make some sense for Vrabel, but I think the Raiders do too, Colin. Good stuff. Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback. That's exciting stuff. Albert, great seeing you on Friday. All right, thanks, Colin. Yep, he just called the league uh, on the Steelers Bills game. I, I, you know, I'm thinking from a broadcaster. I'm like, if you have snow and then you have 60 mile an hour winds, first of all, you can't throw the ball. Just can't. But then I'm thinking all the snow that it dislodges, like you can't see the field. So I mean, I'm gonna tell you something. I, I, these fans that go to games, it's remarkable. <laughs> Baseball gets drizzly and they call the game. Football, you could be 65 mile an hour winds. And people go to the game. I mean, how do you get to the stadium? How would you get to the stadium? I don't think I've ever been in 65 mile an hour winds. I don't think I have. Why would you be in 65? Well, well, I mean, if you love your team and, you know, that's what fans do. You you can love your team from your sofa with bonbons and (laughs) fireplace lit. That's how I view it. But, you know, a lot of fans, they want to be there. They want to experience it. They want to. They want frostbite. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's 65 mile an hour winds. So. I like to ski, right? And so occasionally, I'll always look. I don't mind skiing in cold weather. Wind is the, is the you know, to me, is the stop sign. Like, if I see wind, it's 65 miles an hour. They close a mountain because the ski lift is sweet. So a mountain's closing. But try to throw a football around. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how you play a game in 65-mile-an-hour winds. My wife used to have to work in some HR. She used to go to Buffalo. She said, the nicest people in the world. Great place. And I was always like, it is, eight months a year. Yeah. But there are limitations on how much I can tolerate as a fan. Do you like driving in snow, by the way? I don't like driving at all. No. But if there's a palm tree in the water, it's more enjoyable. Yeah. I, I had a four-wheel drive, and I was hot-dogging it in a parking lot when it was snowing. And it did not go well. Skidded into a lamppost, totaled the car. Yeah, I thought, listen, I, was, I, thought I could drive in the snow. I mean, I was like 24 years old. I was an idiot. Listen, I've seen pictures of you when you were like 20. You had a lot of stuff to get through. What do you mean I was enjoying life, bro? Come on. I was 20. You were a little well, rambunctious. Are there any photos of you at 20? No, 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 just in a suit being a professional. Yeah. Oh, Even yeah, at eight, nine. Yeah. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. 
Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.